This is the Designed Reality Podcast, Episode 3. No other way. Robot voice. I'm your host, Brian Mullins. And I'm Mike French. And I'm Nick Sherman. Welcome back to the show. Uh, it's been an exciting week here. What's everybody done this week? Uh, we did. So, do we want to say fireworks? This might come out in like August or something. <laughs> it's the July 4th yeah. episode. We've been carving pumpkins and getting, <laughs> <laughs> and getting ready for Halloween. Bit. Slap. Bit slap. You know, I've been playing uh, a little bit of the, the bit slap. You guys try that one? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. So really, really interesting game. If, if you haven't tried it yet, I would recommend it. It's got kind of a cool Tabata beat to it uh, where you're doing these waves like 20 seconds on and then a 10 second break. Um, and if you really put your heart into it, uh, you, you, you get a good, good workout. Um, but the thing that's most interesting to me is the idea of tracking where these blocks are coming in and trying to do it in your peripheral vision, trying to get your conscious mind to disengage um, and, uh, cause you got to hit them in order and, and it may not make a lot of sense without trying the game once, but, uh, I made, I made Mike and Nick try it out. And, and really, if you, if you watch where they come in and try to count them and try to get them in order, it's very difficult. But if you just look straight ahead and let them come into your peripheral vision, your brain kind of switches off and gets really good at it very quickly. And it's pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah. Think of, uh, Simon says sort of mechanic, but much faster and much less about thinking about what you saw and more about not thinking about what you saw and just letting your reflexes do it. So these, these blocks pop up in front of, right in front of you at arm's length very quickly in sequence that you have to sort of smack them kind of like those, those old gopher games that pop up where you try to smack them with the hammer. But if you try to watch each one and focus your attention on each one, you'll fall behind and get it wrong instantly. So, so that really, really quickly after, after trying it once or twice, you start to feel like, Oh, I could, I could work on this ability to turn off my brain and I get better at something which is counterintuitive, but a wonderful feeling when you start to feel the, that flow state and, and, and it's start, started to imply all kinds of ways that you could use VR or AR to help us get better at things, um, while entertaining, but actually palpably get better at things. And, and that's coming from you, Mike, the, you know, you, you, the audience might know this and maybe I'm oversharing a personal detail, but you, you are a, a, you know, an expert martial artist. You, you've been training for how many years? Uh, 13 or 14 years and maybe not expert, but, uh, I'm not an ultimate fighting champion, but it's something I'd like to do yet. Uh, yeah. Yet. <laughs> um, and, but you, you have a, um, a high degree black belt. What, what, what level are you? Uh, just recently got third degree, third degree that, which is pretty phenomenal. Like people can train their whole lives and, and, and not, not get to those levels. I, I think, right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, between different martial arts, there may be different ways of, of, of looking at what constitutes that, that, that ranking. But, um, for, for me, the, the correlation is probably in what I think there's, we know kind of historically that, that people have used meditation as a, as a vehicle towards getting, getting better at something physical, which doesn't seem, there's not an immediate, um, immediate correlation in our minds. Like what, why, why would I sit quietly and try to think about nothing? How would that help me like punch something better or catch a football better or whatever? And there really is something about getting better at just being precisely in the moment and not thinking ahead or backward or what I just messed up at or what might be coming at me, but just purely in, in a, in the moment 
And so that game really makes that explicit, which is wonderful because the traditional tools that we use to train in any kind of um, sport or other physical activity um, try to get at that by having a partner throw punches at you or hitting a heavy bag or, or whatever. But that this now we have these tools that can make those kinds of improvements very explicit and very attainable. It, it takes some of the mystery away of when am I getting better is, is you know, it's not mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that that replaces person to person interaction. It becomes one more tool in a way of getting good at something and about seeing how your brain does certain things in certain conditions. Um, and I found that super helpful and enlightening that that very quickly with the help of this parallel world where, yeah. where, where blocks fly at you very quickly. I could see my, my own, um, places where if I start to think too hard, I do it worse. And, and, and it's a great, a great lesson. It was, that was super fascinating to watch. And it's, it's why I brought up the martial arts background is because you've, you've got a lot of experience in, in, in that training method and the meditative states and, and, you know, Nick and I watched you turn it on. Like you played two rounds where you were kind of getting the feel, or maybe you were still overthinking it. And, and then you got to the third round and it was unbelievable to watch. Like you just moved and your hands were just moving and, and hitting the blocks. And, and, and anyone who hasn't played bits lap yet might be thinking, Oh, well, it's Tetris and, you know, game players can move quickly, but this is absurd, right? These things move extremely fast. And, and if you don't get them in the right order, there's a penalty for it. And, and Mike, you were just in, in the zone, like you hit the, the flow state and there was something about that, that when you turned it off, off, you, you know, you were able to execute it very quickly and it's something you might not be able to do in the real life with, you know, in the real world with, without the feedback that you can get into mm. VR. I thought that was super fascinating to watch. Yeah. One of the things that I like too, is I think a lot of people are concerned that AR and VR is something that might take you out of the world. Like you could imagine the hypothetical scenario where we, we just, you know, like in ready player one, like we've just destroyed the world. So we retreat into VR as like a our only option really but it seems like this app this game gets you in touch with something that is part of being human that is hard for us to get in touch with normally like mm -hmm. this kind of unconscious mode we're not normally in a state in today's kind of sheltered world where we need to use that sort of unconscious intelligence in our body but this bit slap game is sort of pulling that out from deep inside in some way and i almost feel like you know, that's part of being human. And this is sort of like drawing on that. And that, uh, I think that's kind of cool that a, this virtual reality game can have that, you know, ability to do that. There's a, there's a lot of neuroscience factors that go into designing, you know, great, uh, you know, mixed and augmented realities, understanding how the brain works and how the visual system works, um, can have a really big impact on, on the way that a user experiences a game or, or, or experience, um, some kind of content in the medium and, and kind of understanding how the brain stitches consciousness together. Um, you know, it, it's, it's something that's well beyond the scope of, of a podcast episode, but, but always, you know, something that, that I encourage people to look into and, and, and start to learn more about to, to intuit how people may react to things 
um, that, that you wouldn't expect. It's the, the same things that causes optical illusions um, can be used to make an experience better. And, and it's not just optical illusions. These, you know, these, these neuroscience, neuroadaptive behaviors go very deep in the human condition. And, and, and if you can get people in the right mindset and get people into the zone or, you know, get, get you know, an understanding of, of how they will see or not see things in your experience, it can help you to create, you know, better realities. And then we, we, we also got into a little um, competitive series of uh, attempts at the game Beat Saber. <laughs> oh, spe- speaking of, of expert level performance, I, I still think uh, Nick, Nick was practicing before his <laughs> so-called first attempt. Uh, yeah, beginner's luck. <laughs> so if anybody's played the game Beat Saber, one, it's awesome. Uh, and two, uh, it gets challenging really quickly. Like if you go to the hard or the expert level, um, it's kind of ridiculous. It r- reminds me a lot of playing Guitar Hero. Uh, like a mechanic I, I never could get good at, um, you know, drew, drew you in, made you feel like you were playing a guitar. Um, and then when you went to expert mode, it was like insane. It was very hard to keep up with. Um, so, so Nick puts the headset on and for the first time, um, you know, Oh, oh I've never done it before. <laughs> he tells us and, uh, we say, okay, we'll try out the tutorial. Oh, oh, this is so challenging. And then, then, uh, he goes through a normal mode, uh, finishes the game and then switches up to hard and finishes it, uh, which is kind of a, a two-step jump and, 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 a, a pretty interesting accomplishment. Yeah. He was like a ballerina out there with ballerina with swords. <laughs> In the best possible way. Well, yeah, now I want some swords and some watermelons. And <laughs> but there are there are a, a few of these kinds of games out now, which I, I feel like there's something in that mechanic that's that's really well suited to the, the VR environment specifically. Um, actually, speaking of that, that sort of martial arts correlation, a few months back, I was looking for specifically that something in the Vive um, that would be a good reflex trainer. At the time, I didn't find any of these. I don't know if they if they were released more recently or not. Um, but the game I found was like a boxing game. I think it's called box VR and it's ended up not being a great reflex trainer because it's more, it's, it's a little bit more beat sabery where you have these things that you see coming towards you. And in the case of box VR, they're color coded in a way that one color means uppercut, one means a cross or a jab or whatever. And this game happens to have a, uh, a calorie count that you've burned based on, based on, uh, you height and weight and things, and you start, and the music's fun, and it's, it's it does have that same guitar hero mechanic. Um, I've played with friends, and then the only the only trick with all of these games is that you have to hand off a very sweaty sort of like damp sponge <laughs> headset <laughs> to your. So everybody bring your own bring your own headset or like headbands when you come to play these with your friends. But but super good experience overall as far as like what what you can do in VR. Yeah, that's sage advice right there. Having a, having a <laughs> towel to to dry the sponge that, that lines the headset. Um, it's it's kind of the awkward thing, and then by the time you get through a few rounds, nobody cares anymore. Yeah, everybody's yeah. added their own own sweat to it. I think, um, you know. But but uh, sweaty headbands aside, that's that's actually a really good transition to this week's design principle. Design principles which is uh, design principle number three, uh, great AR creates something that can't exist any other way. And, uh, you know, Beat Saber is a really good example of that uh, because lightsabers, right? (laughs) Everybody wants a lightsaber, you know, but you can't really have one any other way than, than in one of these virtual environments. 
I wonder, Mike, like, do you think you know, in the same way that an iconic movie like the Hunger Games gets people to want to try archery or something, do you feel like a game like this might uh, get people to want to enter the dojo or something? <laughs> or uh, is it is it will they be contented to just sort of stay in the VR realm? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I, I think I haven't seen seen info or data on whether like even from the beginning, the old like karateka video game arcade games made people want to to practice more if it was just a any more than like grand theft makes me want to go out and steal cars and do terrible things to, <laughs> to innocent bystanders but but i would think if you if you made it an explicit training mechanism i know there may be a way of i, I know specifically around things like sparring it, if you're training in something that involves actually getting the threat of getting punched or kicked for the first time, um, especially for little kids, that can be something that just doesn't, it doesn't look fun. I don't want to do that. Um, but you can learn pretty, pretty quickly not to be, not to make movements that, that, that make things worse rather than better, you know? And I feel like this, this, this principle grade AR, and in this case, what we're talking about VR creates something that can't exist in any other way. That way of getting something, somebody comfortable with something that would normally be intimidating or even terrifying um, is a really great case for these technologies. You can have a punch or a sword or a, or a zombie coming at you mm. and have all of the visual cues that can, can get your heart racing and can get you a little just freaked out enough <laughs> to make it feel real enough, but get better and get comfortable very quickly. Um, and it's the same principle as getting good at any video game. I guess you, you start with the basics and, and watch yourself get better very fast. And these, these are great training mechanisms. And I think it's a, it's a, I mean, a good question. It's a good point to that, you know, media and pop culture does get people to change their lifestyle, right? You know, you see, you know, you play karate, you, you see the karate kid, you know, people go and sign up for karate and, and, and it won't always you know, end up being a martial art that they stay with for their whole life, but it, it does get a certain percentage to try something new and a certain percentage will stick and, and, and it will move forward, you know, uh, to, to the point about lightsabers, you know, the star Wars movie has taken people and, and inspired them to go to dojos specifically to learn lightsaber as an art form. Right. And they, they play with lightsabers, they play, they train with, and, and they take it seriously. It's a mix of, of, you know, actual weapon martial arts and, 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 and theatric systems and, and, and they have forms that they do and, and, and they do competitions. And, and I don't think it takes anything away from that as a martial art to say that, you know, beat saber has something that you can't have in that. Right. And that is that the lightsaber actually cuts a steel cube in half, mm -hmm. right? And, and acts like a lightsaber. And, and that is the power of these designed realities. And, and that is, is something that when you tap into that, when you're designing these experiences, you tap into that creating something you can't actually have any other way. That is what flips the good to great switch in, in, in these realities. So what would be like an example of good AR versus great AR? I think that any time that the content quality is really, really high, and I'm looking at a car model and the details high and the specular maps and the, the paint and everything's just beautiful representation. And I can, I can seamlessly move into it and, and see the cockpit and just as high a level of a detail. Um, and then, and then you add into it, you know, the, the ability to, um, 
you know, see features or, 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 you know, dive in and interact and like open the, open the hood and, and, you know, pull the engine, explode the engine apart. Um, like that's the step change function, right? Like if I'm just opening the hood and interacting with it, um, it's good. It can be really good because the content quality is very good. Um, but that doesn't make a great experience, right? But if I can grab the engine and have an exploded view come out and, and all of a sudden I can see how the parts go together and I can walk around that and, and maybe learn about it or, or, or fix it. Like it, it's, it's really like turning on a light switch and it goes from, okay, I've got all the pieces so that the experience doesn't suck and the content's really good to all of a sudden, oh yeah, like this, this is great. Like this, this is actually something that's much better. Um, you know, and, and, and Beat Saber, uh, as simple as it is, I think is so well executed because a couple of these, these, uh, flourishes, um, like, you know, you, you have this gr good experience, you've got the music, you've got the physical activity, and then I can't have lightsabers anyway, other way. And I've always wanted real lightsabers. Um, and then little touches, like when you put the beams together and, and you get the force feedback in, in the controllers, um, at least in the Vive, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, on the Oculus is probably similar. And, and that adds this level of realism that you, that, you know, it's kind of mind bending. You don't need a whole lot of force feedback for your brain to register a touch. And so when the blades cross and you get the vibration in both hands, um, but you're looking at the tips of the lightsabers where they're crossing, you know, your brain's putting it together for you that, Hey, these two things are interacting, right? I feel it in both hands even though it's just a small little, you know, vibration cue inside the controller and it's not necessarily matched up to the, the amount of pressure I've applied or, you know, how much I'm touching them. It's just, Hey, there is some response. Your brain is putting those signals together into your consciousness and saying, Oh yeah, there, those blades are there. These things are real. Like don't, don't hit yourself with them. <laughs> and, and that, that's what turns it from a good experience, I think, to, to a great experience. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's probably safe to say it's been easier to make the case so far for most people with with VR in that sense versus AR. It, it's been just maybe because of the relatively uh, kind of more recent time frame in which AR has become uh, made its way in, into popular conversation more. But VR, there's, you know, the, like the blue experience where you can stand underwater and watch a whale swim by you or, or, um, play ping pong on a spaceship. There's all these things I couldn't, or, or walk through a nuclear reactor. There's all these things that clearly I couldn't do in real life that VR just by virtue of putting you into this like parallel universe, it's very easy to say, I, I will never have this experience in, in normal life. Um, AR has been a little bit harder, maybe just because the, uh, the tech is still still sort of catching up to be convincing enough that people, uh, I'm not sure what the, what the, the subtleties are, but it also feels like the tools now that they're getting into the hands of more designers and developers, the first things you do are sort of the low hanging fruit, which is augment a business card or whatever, which isn't completely without merit, but it doesn't, it does beg the question. Often people see that and well, well, why, why would I really do this or why, outside of being somebody enthusiastic about the medium, why, why would I accept your business card and then go to my phone and look at it when, when, you know, there, there's just yeah. that basic question of, well, what does, what does AR bring to this? And we know clearly that these cases exist. We, we personally have been involved with, with developing some things that most certainly can't exist in any other way, but, but we may be in a moment where it's important for those things to 
to make the case for themselves so that so that the general discussion doesn't revolve only around these low hanging fruit sort of experiments with things that maybe don't do uh, much yeah, <laughs> with, I, with the medium. And I think that that's that's a good point about the state of of AR today is oftentimes uh, there'll be there'll be really good moments or, or, or even great moments in in AR uh, but not necessarily the whole experience or, or the app itself is is particularly great just because there's not much substance to it. It's not not kind of a complete a- experience. If I were to pull one of my favorites out, I would say um, Elements 4D is 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 probably the, the pinnacle of, of, you know, a great AR experience because it did create something you couldn't experience any other way. And, and it was uh, a complete experience, you know, with a lot of replayability. It was an educational experience for learning chemistry. And, you know, you had uh, wooden blocks um, that when you looked at them, uh, each each face had an element from the periodic table and the block would become that element. Um, you know, it could be uh, hydrogen and oxygen and and it would would become representative of, a, of this specimen jar that that was holding that substance. And you could see it in a, if it was a liquid or a solid or what the crystal looked like. Um, and if you would put two together and they had an interaction, uh, they would change and they would become what that was. Hydrogen, oxygen, obviously, spoiler alert, water. And, and it would change from these gases into water and, and, and magically settle. And you'd see the, the fluid action inside these specimen jars. And it was beautiful. And, and it was actually a favorite. I mean, it, it had tremendous adoption in classrooms. You could, without the wooden blocks, download the paper craft version and people would, would print them out. And, and, and uh, um, it was something that I, uh, you know, I, I loved that, that we did that, that showcased just this. Like, and, and, and because it was about learning chemistry, it was a complete experience in and itself. And, and you don't get it as much in the experiments because they have these great moments, but, but okay, then, then what, what do you do with it? And, and I think because it was self-contained, it did what it was supposed to do. It taught you chemistry. It was, you know, one of my favorite, favorite to show folks. Um, I think another one that, that, that resonates with me is if you've seen it in person or if you've seen the videos, the, the experience, uh, at the new Apple campus in Cupertino where they have, the traditional architect's model, which is a physical model of what the campus looks like, but it's it's those white, unfinished, you know, feature models where it's the 3D, you know, uh, you know, almost dollhouse scale of what the building's going to look like and what the streets are going to look like, but with with no other features on those forms, and the devices are there, all installed, ready to go, and 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 calibrated so that when you turn them on and point them, it's all aligned. And it's this magical experience where those architectural models that have been used for generations to convey what the project's going to be comes to life. And you see the streets, you know, full of traffic and, and, and the trees in place and grown and, and people moving around the campus and what's it going to look like. And, and, and you can interact with it and learn more. And, and I just think that that's, that is great AR because it completes an experience and it completes it in a way that you can't have any other way, like to, to, to make that into a, you know, animatronic train model, I, which I've seen and they're amazing. And they're, you know, people have fully functional airport models. We'll have to put it in the show notes. Uh, if you want to see something that'll literally blow your mind, you know, somebody literally for, for over a decade made a model of an airport where their airplanes take off and at dollhouse scale and they come in traffic patterns and, and everything's moving around and, and animatronic. And that, in a way that is a virtual designed reality. It just requires a lot more, you know, motors and pulleys and, and what Apple accomplished in this app is the same 
um, but but with this interactive software and obviously a lot less a lot less motors. The Elements 4D example, maybe maybe because we have so much familiarity with that, I feel like we if like there are some things that seem like X, X factors in in any good design or a good movie or a good game that you can't always put your finger on, like why? But I feel like there that the nexus of sort of just sheer tangible pleasure, mm. you know, of, of textures and surfaces and things yeah. like you said with speculative, you know, like I, this beautiful gold ingot. Plus, it's a very uh, quantifiable, um, successful teaching tool that educators told us, like, but I, I couldn't get students interested in this periodic table, even though there's wonderful, magical stuff in there. Just it's just it's dull as a doorknob for to have this thing on the wall and try to explain to kids these are the lanthanides and the yeah. So now you have this specimen of this thing in the classroom, and you're holding a physical block in your hand, so your brain feels like you're holding this thing. I, I can't probably get my hands on a solid gold cube, <laughs> much less a rod of plutonium or whatever. Yeah. And then and then to see things reacting together, and then have the chemical form. You know, just all those pieces together design pleasure, surprise, visual, um, satisfaction, and it's teaching kids something that they were maybe previously resistant to, to absorbing. Yeah. Um, in some cases, not all, uh, that I feel like was a good example of putting the pieces together from a design perspective and from a informational perspective to get something that you just couldn't do in a different medium. Right. Yeah. And it, successfully. It, it's, it's absolutely the thing where, you know, having those specimens is not something you can have. Like you, you could probably collect them. Some of them would kill you and anyone in the room, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's very difficult to, to get all of the elements together. Um, I, I think I saw a bismuth crystal for the first time in that app mm. and, and I have one on the shelf behind me now cause they're just, they're absolutely beautiful. Right. It's, and it's, it's actually not a, not a precious mineral, like they're, they're, they're pretty easy to get, um, but they're beautiful. And it's, it's something you don't encounter in your daily life. Um, uh, I think the, the other point you made about the gold is fascinating to me because, you know, why does gold have value? Um, and, and it turns out it, it has intrinsic value because we use it in manufacturing. Um, but you know, not the same intrinsic value that we probably ascribe to it. Like gold mm. is, is probably food, yeah. worth more. <laughs> yeah, it's not food. Uh, but you can use it in a lot of manufacturing processes. And what's fascinating to me is the reason that you can use it in manufacturing is because it doesn't react, right? Like, like gold's, right. gold's main characteristic is that it doesn't react with the real world. And oxidize. Right? Because it, yeah, it, it won't oxidize, doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't get dissolved. What's so fascinating conceptually about that, and it may seem a little bit out there, but it's an object of desire. People would like a gold block. Why do we want it? Is because there's this fictitious value, and and that value comes from the fact that it doesn't react with the real world. So how is the virtual one any less valuable? Because it gives you exactly what you want. You're holding the block. Mm -hmm. It's not reacting with the real world better than the real thing. And, and so why do you need gold at all then, right? Other than, than for its, you know, physical properties in, in, in mechanical processes. Um, you know, I argue this. <laughs> uh, I could also, I mean, we like that experience a lot that uh, I can identify plenty of personal experiments that, qualified as good but not great at best you know like we, we we've gone through so many iterations of different approaches to to solutions in ar that um i can think of again along the educational bent 
uh, an early experiment we tried with seeing because the 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 phenomenon of of unfortunately schools not being always uh, funded well enough to to have their textbooks up to date and things like this that could you could you keep them updated with with AR lessons that use the, the the diagrams on the page to to expand on maybe what kids are learning or um of course you're 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 then assuming that schools who can't update their textbooks can afford iPads <laughs> or at least that they have them at home you know which is a not always a safe assumption unfortunately but uh but then using using the page of a textbook to show a principle of like the the submarine in, in underwater yeah. and buoyancy and things like this that that you couldn't probably you can do fun little things with corks and water and things and have real world kind of analogs to that experience but the but having a this big beautiful submarine in 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 the middle of yeah. the room as triggered by the textbook is kind of a, a fun thing that becomes game-like learning the the question i got after presenting that from from close friends was well what then why don't you just put the whole textbook in digital form and you don't need that sort of extra layer, so to speak, on a, on a obsolete textbook, um, which is a fair point. And, and of course there are people putting textbooks in digital format. Now, the thing that, that we find have found interesting from the very beginning with AR is that having that tangible reference to something increases retention a lot. So, so in that case, it's not necessarily something that could only be created in VR, but there is an advantage that the, the reference to a, a place a position in a textbook is enough to actually add a little bit of retention to that concept that whereas you're just paging through a digital format on an iPad, you might not have the same retention. So it's maybe not the ultimate incarnation of an AR principle, but, but it's doing something that you get from adding uh, the physicality of a, of, an, of a virtual object. And I, I remember that one. And it's a shame we, you know, I don't think it exists anywhere on the internet where we can point the listeners to because it was such a cool experience. And we'd, we'd come at it from the idea that you could update textbooks or update the content. And we learned all these things like, hey, you know, being able to perform an experiment in AR after reading the book made you more interested in reading, reading the textbook mm. and, and, and more interested in engaging. And, and the two together had this, had this greater value because it was like it coming to life made you want to read the rest of the textbook and, and the physicality of turning the pages in the textbook, you know, actually has a ton of value in and of itself that, you know, skeuomorphic page turning on a tablet doesn't actually give mm. you the same, same physical nature, but then the 2d nature of the textbook by itself one couldn't be updated and and two you know wasn't interactive from an experimental standpoint and and you know kind of the third dimension was lacking and mm -hmm. so you couldn't move around and see things from other angles unless that figure you know had it had the alternate angle um and so the the two were, were definitely more than the sum of their parts and you know that was that was i remember learning a lot from that one mm -hmm. one of the things that i like about this principle is that because it's such a new medium we don't really know, like, you have to create something that can't exist any other way. And we don't really know what all those things are. Yeah, sometimes it's a lightsaber and sometimes it's a physical object that is hard to attain. But I think we'll see that it's also new kinds of experiences, um, like new time, new waves of storytelling, just like when motion picture was invented, you started to be able to tell different kinds of stories. Uh, I mean, a chase sequence became riveting or the idea of a flashback was a, a concept that now we're just so used to, but was really hard to achieve in any other 
you couldn't, it was hard to do in writing. It was hard to do in photography. It makes a lot of sense in filmmaking, but it took them sort of probably like 40 years before they started to really discover that. And now it's everywhere. And I think it's really, I get excited thinking about how augmented reality and virtual reality will discover these new, this new grammar sort of that will then become yes. a staple right. and it'll be like, there will probably be one moment where it's like, Oh, that, you know, I feel like yes. elements yeah. 4d actually does do something about, it teaches us something about interaction and discovery that then other things will build on and just continue to take that into new places. Yes. Yes. I love this idea because, you know, like with film, it inspired, you know, I believe new art forms and, 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 you know, I think certain art, art history experts might disagree, but, um, it feels a lot like early film and, and animation, you know, the early height of the Disney cell animation and, 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 and the movies, the, the Snow Whites and Fantasia inspired the surrealist art movement because these new mediums let you share ideas in new ways. And, and so then now you could visualize surrealism you know, in that fluid style and, and, and you've got this amazing groundbreaking surrealism. And I think that there's an opportunity now with these new mediums to have like a, a neo surrealism, like some kind of new surrealism that's inspired by what we can do with a AR, VR, or other designed realities, um, that we could never do before. And, and, and now, um, you know, wh- how far can we push that into a new direction? That that's something that's super exciting to me. Yeah, how the the narrative angle I think is a big one that still we we feel like something's coming. You know, narrative is is narrative format like the format in AR and VR will affect narrative as much as anything else. And it's just uh, we're waiting for somebody to 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 take the medium to like to the to the the directorial level. I I'm reminded of in the the Vive. Um, in the, the steam house. Um, so which is kind of like your, your home base. It, it feels like you're in a bedroom. Oh, the it's, lab? No, it, it's, uh, it's, it's their new launcher, right? So if you, oh, yeah, yeah. if you start the VR and you put the headset on, you're in this room and, mm-hmm. and, and you can actually change it if it's a living room or a bedroom. And it's got this amazing, like kind of porch that, that looks out on the mountains mm-hmm. and is very serene. Um, but, but hidden, if you, if you squeeze the controllers, you can choose, um, this multi-tool, that lets you freeze and unfreeze objects. And it, it took me a while to figure it out because I never too, yeah. read the instructions. Um, but, but when I did, I was, I was really excited because it, it turns off the effect of gravity. It doesn't make it have zero gravity. It makes it stationary in space. Um, and, and you, so then you can, you know, freeze something and then lift it up and it just stays there. Right. And you can replicate it. And, and when I saw that, the first thing I did was, um, go over to the bookcase and freeze all the statues and then turn them upside down mm-hmm. so that they're just kind of hanging there. And like, that was really delightful to me that, that, you know, like all the things on, on my shelves were upside down and not affected by gravity. And, and, and it's that, that kind of like new, new surrealism that, that I'm so excited about it. It just, it can't happen any other way. And now we're going to start thinking about it. And somebody's going to come along and say, okay, like, you know what you can do with upside down stuff, not affected by gravity, it's <laughs> gonna, you know, and it's stuff that we, we're not even thinking about today. And I, and I think that's, you know, that, that's one of the coolest things about all this. The yeah, tilt brush also as an example of just how to use the medium. And, and from the beginning, I think we were all big, huge fans of that. I, I watched my niece doing it 
we, we let her try it at age four or five so she's quite little um and she only likes pink as things things go so she made this you know like how often can you draw with pink fire in the in the real world all around yeah, you, right, right, yeah. you know so so this amazing world that she drew all around her with the pink fire and sparkles of course and then but what i thought was cool on top of that was just as now as an adult going in there and seeing what she made and i can see it like i'm i'm above her level so it's like looking at it from bird's eye oh, view yeah. but then i could kneel down and see kind of her her world you know there was some i i was sort of i felt this funny little connection to her and, and that That's process cool. for a moment because i went down to kind of her her scale and saw what she was was seeing and how excited she was um and there was something there i don't know how i don't know what that becomes as a principle for for storytelling but but i loved that moment of of realizing i could see it how she saw it well and you know what's interesting too is is I haven't even seen anybody explore the idea of using the digital environment to increase empathy, right? Because, you know, the system knows where the floor is at and they know where that headset's at. So they know her, her point of view mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. And so you could have a button that actually made you have her point yeah, of view. Her scale, that uh, rescaled the world mm -hmm. around you. So you were seeing it literally from her and point walk of around view like and she walk around it. Yeah. And that, that would be amazing. Right. And I've seen a couple of games. There's, there's, you know, that, that'll like bigify you or shrink you and, and, and change your, your view, but to do it specifically to, to increase the empathy or see it from somebody's point of view, I think is pretty awesome. That's a wonderful idea. <laughs> Write that down later. Yeah. <laughs> I need a, I need a, like a buzzer right here. No, like something more subtle. So every time Brian says something wonderful <laughs> like that, it's going to go dee -dee, and I'll be like, folks, when you hear this sound, dee -dee, that means scrub back the audio 20 seconds and repeat that in your next pitch meetings <laughs> for, for like successful AR discussion. Dee -dee. Okay. So when you hear this sound, that means remember that one. Well, uh, I, I think that, uh, that, that's a, a, a great way to sum up that the design principle, great AR creates something that can't exist any other way. And maybe it's lightsabers or maybe it's being able to empathize with other people and, and truly see things from their perspective. Um, and, and it's all just like a new way to share ideas and experience that we just haven't had before. And we're all still figuring out and that's cool. Yeah, we're, we're pitching this principle, not as people who have solved it, but as a sort of a mutual, let's do this together. Let's, let's, let's solve things with AR that can't be done any other way. Exactly. Thanks everyone for listening and thank you all for, for joining us today. And we'll see you next time. To learn more, visit important.design. Stay classy. <laughs>